New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, great to be here again and very nice to uh, have a chance to catch up with Di Henwood. How are you, Di? I am wonderful, ticking, slipping easily into um, week five of uh, lockdown level four and um, just been spending it doing all sorts of things, learning how to crimp Cat6 cables, um, <laughs> crawling under the Such house to... Crawling under the house to hardwire my um, son's Xbox in so he gets less latency in Fortnite. And um, unfortunately, the only place I haven't got a cable to yet is my um, little shed where I um, where I work from. So that's that's next on the cards. Okay. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll see we'll see how your Wi-Fi uh, holds up. Um, and uh, well, you know, I hope you've locked it down well. So there's not too many uh, neighbours that are that are jumping on your uh, on your Wi-Fi. Oh, I keep um, uh, keep it keep it pretty pretty tight. <laughs> One of the surprises I had, and there's a whole lot we want to talk about today. Um, Starlink from SpaceX that um, I've been I've been kicking the the tires on um, over over the last uh, last few days. Um, there's a bit of news from Apple. Uh, as tends to happen at this time of time of year, um, so we definitely want to drill in on uh, on that. Uh, a few scams going on. There's a uh, SpaceX launch um, that's just um, actually I've got to check the uh, check the stream on that, see what's been happening, um, and some um, as a, a bit of a technology partnership on a on a nuclear scale uh, between Australia, <laughs> US, and uh, and UK, literally. Um, and uh, and some stuff in the entertainment world from a, uh, a, a tech perspective. So lots to uh, lots to delve into. But um, first up, um, Starlink. And and uh, for those that have been following uh, this uh, or they haven't been following it, this is um, you know all about getting internet connectivity to really the, the you know the furthest parts of the earth um, including um, the the deepest um, and furthest parts of, of New Zealand um, although I, I, I see we're not quite um, we're getting down to, to Stewart Island but um, um, not quite so far as our um, our most east um, Islands there, so um, um, so yeah, a, a, a little way to go, but um, mostly it looks like um, Starlink have got this as really impressive coverage around New Zealand. Um, the speed tests I've done, uh, yeah, you're typically getting 200 to 300 uh, megabits per second download speeds, and uh, about a tenth of that uh, in terms of upload speeds, um, which. You know, you you could compare those to sort of base um, fibre plans, um, but going back to the the thing about neighbours stealing Wi-Fi, I noticed as it comes out of the box, it's very unusual in that the um, Starlink Wi-Fi uh, is open with no password. It's a bit of a shock in this day and age. Absolutely, I quite I quite like that. Um, those speeds you're saying sort of um, are a lot higher than than the reports I've been reading. From people who are trialling it in the in the US, um, who seem to be getting more around the twenty or thirty down, and sort of around five or six up. How have you found it um, in terms of latency and in terms of 
it uh i've heard that the latency's been tends to spike about 10 times an hour which would make it quite hard for um actually doing any high quality video streaming yeah, look, my, mine is not the perfect use case um, because I'm, you know, I'm sitting in Auckland. Um, where I set it up initially was uh, just in the middle of my driveway, so uh, that was the, the two-minute <laughs> setup. I got this box, and I'm thinking it's no good in the box. I want to see it working. Um, dropped it in the middle of the driveway. Cable inside. Um, they give you basically um, one one little box that you plug um, you know your uh, your jug cord into that you know that that powers it um, that then sends off uh, power over a um, ethernet cable uh, and and data communications um, P, you know P, poe presumably um, power power over the cable um, power and data um, off to the satellite dish. The satellite dish then orienta- orientates itself accordingly, points it, you know, up up at the um, up to the stars, up to towards the um, the relevant um, satellites of which we know there's um, well over fifteen, you know, hundred that are up there now. I think um, probably ninety percent odd of them are are, are active, um, and um, and then it, and that also comes with a router you plug it into. But what I what I see is quite a few people. Are um, uh, using their own router or firewall to have a lot more control. It's a pretty simple one that it comes with. Um, latency, yeah, that's an interesting one. Most of the time, I found it quite reasonable, but because of where we are and the um, the dish isn't able to move in in all directions properly, and so I think at one point the app that the app was saying, and I'm sure this would be better if I you know attached it to the top of the roof. Um, it was saying that I could get interruptions to service every uh, three minutes. Um, so that wasn't actually my real world <laughs> Which is experience. quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, my w- real world experience wasn't that bad, but um, but I, you know it definitely. Um, actually, I found the best the best positioning was sitting sitting on top of the Tesla. Uh, in terms of my quick quick places to drop it, so yeah, it was an interesting photo be, opportunity. Uh, Tesla with a satellite could, dish on it could not be any more twenty twenty one pandemic than yeah. having your satellite internet on top of your electric car. Um, I I mean I'm I part of me that really doesn't like Starlink because I love the night sky and um uh due to the sort of bizarre massive global unregulation of satellites it seems you know there's so many companies um chucking satellites up in the air and i believe they they're looking at throwing another 10 to 30,000 up over the um over the coming years which is a huge amount and it, it's a massive sacrifice um in terms of the night sky for people who enjoy going out to the beach and looking up and you just sort of see these dystopian um, unnatural lines of satellites tracking around. Um, How often have you seen them? Um, in summer, you sort of see them every night almost. Depends okay. if we're down on the – I mean, this is when I'm either out at Pihar or down on the Coromandel where, you're, where you've got yep. a lot of less you've light pollution. Haven't really seen them when I'm in town. Um and I know I, I follow a lot of astronomers and um, and uh, night nighttime photographers on Twitter, and I know there's a lot of anger within those communities. But then 
it's the yin and yang of everything. There is the benefit of bringing, you know, the middle of the African desert can get good internet, you know, um, in terms of it just now, I suppose, in this in this um, age of remote work, it also means that now people can dial in and actually pull away from living in the city. They could get their little rural spot. And I mean, I don't know if you would find this, but maybe if you're in a rural spot and you can actually place that box somewhere where it does have more access in terms of the middle of a field or something like that and it's not obstructed whether it would actually get better service oh yeah yeah um yeah i mean certainly the consistency what i'm hearing from folks that are using you know using this and and really where where it's most suited to you know it's not suited to locations where you can get fiber i'll you know say that now (laughs) you know if you if you can get ultra fast broadband if you get fiber to your home you know, that's it. That's the gold standard. That's the most reliable thing. Um, the bit that causes issues is the Wi-Fi between, you know, where your fiber comes into the house and, and where you're sitting on Wi-Fi elsewhere. Um, what you've done, dive for your, your son's gaming and so on, um, that's absolutely perfect. If you can run Ethernet to sort of key locations, then then you get the, you know, you get the best results. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've sort of, you know, repositioned a few times during the, these lockdowns and I'm in a position now where, um, you know, I'm, I'm limited by Wi-Fi and the large majority of us are. And, in fact, that's one of the interesting things with the um, Starlink app. You can fire it up and do these tests It'll do a speed test at the router and tell you what speed it is there. And I heard some people getting over 300 megabits a second um, there. But then, you know, based on the Wi-Fi and where their positioning is, they might be getting, you know, 50 megabits on on their device. So I've certainly had over 200 megabits um, down and close to quite close to 30 up, you know, 25 or or 20 maybe 28 um, up from a, you know, from a device. But, uh, yeah, your Wi-Fi, so you've got, you know, two, yeah, two, two, two factors, um, you know, is that connection to you? And then once you've got it to you, is, is spreading it around your devices. But um, fine, I mean, for me, to be honest, good internet is like the lost ark of the covenant. Like, I, I have spent <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of dollars on various router situations from Orbi mesh networks. Currently, um, I've just set up um, on the Nighthawk, um, Netgear Nighthawk mesh network, which um, very user-friendly yeah, very user friendly to set up, and it's actually been delivering good speeds throughout the house. But then Wi-Fi is this elusive thing, like sometimes... You're you're holding all your Wi-Fi in a cup, and then it, the cup turns into a sieve, and it just disappears, and then it comes back <laughs> because, of course, it's travelling. You know, we're not in direct line of sight to everything. There's walls and beams and that, but it's it is something that, even though like this Wi-Fi I'm on at the moment is Wi-Fi six. You know, it's I'm technically I've got um, Spark Chorus Fiber coming to the house. Um, and yeah, I, I'm the same. Like I run my speed tests, and when I'm next to the router, it's humming, but and the cable is humming, and then yeah, it's just the the Wi-Fi seems to just be a mixed bag. And also, I suppose it comes round of then if suddenly other family members start streaming, and I might get pushed down the allocation list, or 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I'll be I'll be intrigued to see, especially as um, pressures mount around this lockdown sort of situation, which might move to more people remotely working from home or remotely working from home for more days. There is going to be more demand for high quality video conferencing. I know in terms of doing comedy. Um, We've tried to record versions of seven days and so forth, um, and and it's not really worked purely because of latency. Comedy needs direct communication, and just even yeah. that. And I'm just talking split second latency. Um, wow! Wow! Yep! Yep! So so yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's going to be intriguing to see if that's something that can be uh, fixed over time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it def- yeah definitely makes a makes a difference, um, you know, with with a whole you know whole range of things, and uh, yeah, I mean, comedy certainly a a, a good uh, a good case if you end up sort of speaking over each other or you know the, any of those things that that the latency causes, then uh, the whole thing just falls falls flat, right? So uh, yeah, less less than ideal. Um, on the latency front, the um, the numbers that I've been seeing are sort of in the range of sixty to eighty milliseconds for for those that are uh, very technical technically in, in, inclined, um, you know, which is, is still you know well below tenth of a second, but it's a um, it's enough that it um, you know impacts certain certain things like gaming, um, but it's streets ahead of the sort of um, old old school satellite internet that we uh, that we used to uh, have, and that's thanks to these low Earth orbit um, satellites that are sitting about five hundred and fifty um, k's away um, from the Earth. So um, yeah, being so much so much closer, so that, you know ninety percent or so closer than the traditional um, satellites that were used for those in rural locations going back just a few years. Um, yeah, night and day different. And of course, um, yeah, we've got Pacific in the market who have been providing satellite internet to, to New Zealand and they've been providing it from one, one, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> one, one single satellite. And here you've got SpaceX who have put up, you know, um, yeah, over 1500 already, and and uh, as you say, die aiming for tens of thousands of them. So it, it's a, it's a big game changer uh, for those that can't. I would say you know the, the the gap that it fills is those that can't get good fast internet from a local internet service provider uh, in New Zealand, whether it's a, a wireless internet provider, uh, fixed connection like fibre or, or VDSL, um, you know, or in some cases some of the um, the 4G, 5G options, if, you, if you're not getting a good result with those, um, then you want to jump on it. Um, yep, you've got to drop about 900 bucks to get into play, um, and it's 100, 159 a month. Um, so, you know, it's um, it's more than twice what a lot of people would spend on ultra-fast broadband, but this is for those, you know, mostly in rural locations that don't have it. So, uh, yeah, well worth it. Yeah, and um, I mean, the, just uh, just on that, um, that means so much if you're stuck in a on a rural location. 159's not not the worst if that is the difference between your business being able to function and not function. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's yeah, there's there's just so many aspects where that will that will you know really 
uh, change things for um, you know for families, for businesses, and um, you know for those those that just don't have good connectivity today. Um, so yeah, now let's let's jump on to um, to the iPhone. Of course, as always, when new new announcements are coming from Apple, a large portion of it seems to leak early. Um, one of the leaks that um, I certainly wasn't buying into. And, um, you know, I think ended up sort of fizzing out even before we got to launch was the suggestion that the iPhone was going to have satellite connectivity in it. Um, and, um, you know, of course, that that didn't that didn't happen. Um, but what's what's your take on the um, the, the announcements, um, Di? Well, I got up. Um, I've always had quite a keen interest in in Apple and um, I use mainly apple products i still have uh, i like to keep my my foot in the android world and and like to have a pixel phone sort of going as well to try the um android software and that but i always get up for the apple events i give them i'm loving i mean in 2018 it, it took me back actually in 2018 with my good mate clayton carpenter we flew over to the event in cupertino and filmed there and went to go got to go on the campus and into the um with the product demo place and we're sitting in the Steve Jobs theater and so forth. And, um, on, on a couple of counts that made me sad one that I wasn't there and two that I wasn't allowed to (laughs) even go down to the local food court, let let alone go over to Cupertino. And, um, I, I was up early. My son got up to watch it with me. I, I, one did park the products to one side. They nail a keynote to be honest like visually from the intro of the california soul track the cinematography of it all they really showed that they're a company with the most money in the world <laughs> they really showed that they, they they didn't um they didn't cut any corners so visually i really enjoyed it as with all apple products launches i leave fizzing then throughout the day, as I mull through it and I take my rose-tinted glasses off and I actually start running use cases of would I need this, would I not need this, you know, I'm still using, I've got iPhone 11. Um, I don't see any need. I think I'll wait till next year to upgrade. The one thing I was quite excited about was the iPad mini, um, especially for my use case in terms of presenting um in terms of being on set and having something that is clean and a good size i really enjoyed the fact that they invested in bringing the specs up on that um i was intrigued by the cinematography style thing of the iphone pro 13 pro and pro max um they seem to make this claim that suddenly they've got this vibe all of a sudden they're going to shoot avengers endgame on 400 iphones <laughs> they're not that's not gonna happen like i i feel they oversell this idea of pros using these iphones it's still a prosumer thing like i think oh, these awesome- I, don't know. I don't know i would i would uh i would ch- i would challenge that die because there, there are people that will that will go with it and if you sort of think about you know, the, everything's getting faster and faster, right? We need to produce these things faster. We need to get things done faster. And, um, you know, the reality is it takes quite a long time for technology to get into, 
you know, all that commercial high-end equipment. And, um, you know, I remember we, we, we were comparing some of the imagery we're starting to get off our phones with what you could get from, say, a digital SLR. And, you know, it was clear there's a huge sort of, you know, there's a huge gap. Um, so I don't know. I think there, there are some possibilities. I'm not saying this is like 90% of the industry is going to go to iPhones, but I imagine there will be some use cases. And knowing that you've got a gadget in your pocket, that actually there, there are, you know, one or one or two, you know, films that, that you know, um, get get shot on these things, um, that's pretty satisfying to know you've got access to, to that sort of quality, you know, in your, in your pocket. Oh, completely. And that... Um where it stands to your point there is bringing in filming in ProRes, which is sort of it's such a, a high-end format that you can then bring into a Final Cut Pro or something, really leans towards making something that's not just going to be distributed through social networks. But I think where it really is hitting in terms of the professional is the TikToker, the um Instagram user who with now with these cinematic filters where you're not bound by a filter, you're basically creating presets like you would in an Adobe product and then layering them straight on. Um, it, it means that, as you're saying, these people are carrying something in their pocket. And nowadays there is money to be made on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And then if they're upping their game, that is going to set another level where people who are in the same game go, well, I'm, I need to up my production values as well. So carrying something like that is going to be a game changer for people. I don't know in terms of your average consumer how much it's a game changer above even the iPhone 10. I was doing some um, just photo tests with iPhone 10 I had yesterday. And when you're working with nice lighting and you've got time to do compose, um good composition you can still get an amazing photo from a three-year-old camera and even i was comparing that to the pixel 3 which i've got which still takes an amazing photo in itself so i i think apple gets a lot of grief for just having iteration product launches now like you know there was no new product there was no i was um quite keen on the new AirPods, but they've seemed to have drifted into the abyss. Um, the watch was interesting, but if even if you're on a Series 5, I don't see any need to upgrade. I think this is for uh, um, people who are either working with older, um, very old Apple products, they're going to see a massive sort of massive advancement. But yeah, there's not, there's not too much that's sort of really jazzing me and where I see a new market happening or whether they're actually challenging someone like Facebook with their Ray-Ban um, photo lenses, yeah. <laughs> however yeah, you describe yeah. them. Like yeah, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? They're not, jumping in, they're not jumping in and challenging anyone. They're not going um, where um, Samsung just suddenly got on the psychedelics and went with we're solely folding phones from now on in um they, they're not they're, they're not sort of stepping out of their wheelhouse i suppose you'd say yeah yeah yep um and i look i think that's okay that's what you know what we expect from um you know from apple you know and from others is there are going to be iterations each year 
Um, I, I think, you know, the iterations are good. We've, you know, Apple are, are like, they're probably the area that I, I think we should drill into just a little bit. And I know we've got a few other topics we want to um, cover, but is just the performance of um, of Apple Apple's um, chips in terms of processing and, and graphics performance um, and how, how impressive that is. I saw a... Um, uh, where, where was the video? I saw a, v- a video um, comparing, and I don't know if this was part of, well, this is probably something else that I saw, um, but it, it was comparing um, taking some taking some footage and exporting it on an iPhone versus doing it on a, you know, on a pretty grunty um, PC, maybe even an Intel Mac, um, and being able to, you know, do that same thing faster on a uh, on a phone and really i think it you know it's pretty impressive the the development that we've seen happen over you know quite a number of years since apple uh you know spent a few hundred million to um to get themselves in a position uh to design and 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 build their own um silicon well that you know they outsource the manufacturing side but but you know they design that stuff um and how that's now coming through in um, you know in all the new Macs, and you know I think some of us are really looking forward to to seeing what comes comes next. Um, but I think you you're in the same position as me. You've been trying out a um, an M1 based Mac, which um, um, you know I, I think it was one of the one of the early uh, presentations from Apple. Maybe go you know going back to to um, you know one of one of the earliest iPhones where they were talking about. Uh, you know, desktop class silicon. Um, you know, going going into their uh, into their phones. Well, you know, here we are now. Uh, we've got phone chips and and uh, you know most most of the Macs now, and the performance of them, it's outstanding, right? Oh, um, I was um, running a late 2018 MacBook Pro, fully spec'd out. Um, and then when the Mac uh, and I hated the computer mainly because of the keyboard, it was in that butterfly realm. At the space bar broke for me, the M key <laughs> broke, and um, it's strange that the actual internals are amazing, but just the plastic keys ruined the entire experience for me. So I was looking for a traveling computer and the macbook air the m1 macbook air came out and i was dubious to be honest i was like oh do i want to take a jump on a first chip iteration of a computer uh and a friend got it i had a type on the keyboard the keyboard was amazing i saw the sort of pace and then i i took a jump i bought one um my wife got one and the photos app's an example for me I have a lot of photos in the Photos app. I've always found it a bit of a pig, a bit sluggish. And then it was opening with one bounce on the M1. Um, I do a little bit of audio, a little bit of video. I'm by no means putting this through its paces. But for what I need, it flies. And um, the way it manages um, its power consumption is a game changer. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm treating it sort of on the level of how I treat iPads, where um, I'm not I'm not getting that cord anxiety whenever I go and sit on the couch with a laptop. I'm not going, oh, 
I should set up uh, some plug because I'm going to need it in an hour. You know, I just sit down and go, oh, no, I can bang through a couple of hours easy here. Yeah? Uh, oh, so that so is amazing. So. The power, the, the battery is amazing. So I, I, I still have Apple really do deliver on the hardware side of things. And um, I'm this that M1 line, the M line, I suppose you'd call it, because I don't know what they'll call it, the iterations of that. When that scales up to being able to use more displays off the chip, when it scales up to sort of, I suppose, doubling it or tripling its capacity, and when these are put, when they're putting that in, into huge, um, pro type gear it's going to be a game changer for people who are rendering and people who are outputting a lot of um video it's i think it's going to be a game changer the the question i suppose will be will third party apps be able to keep up because often third party apps such as your adobe's and that are where the actual the people are working um uh, that everything works beautifully if you're in my situation where I'm not doing a lot of work and I'm not delivering to a client in a specific format and so forth. I'm just working, tutoring around in Final Cut or Logic, which are Apple-made programs for the Apple Silicone. So they work amazingly. Yeah. No, look, I, what, what I've seen is, is most of the software vendors now come across um, the large majority of um, you know, things from Adobe and Microsoft now are, are native for the M1. And, yeah, as you say, I mean, the battery life, I, you know, I think it's, it's double what it was before. That's what it feels like. Um, and, yeah, just looking at how slowly your battery life sort of shrinks when you're, when you're on the M1, um, it's, you know, it's phenomenal. So we, we, what we're kind of getting now is that, that advantage of, Apple, not just making the hardware, but, um, you know, you could almost compare it to, you know, we talk about Tesla and their vertical integration that they're, you know, that they're, they're, they're controlling so much um, that goes into their vehicles that makes them so different from everybody else. And, you know, with Apple designing the chips that go into um, their phones, uh, you know, as well as designing the rest of the phone and making the software and then being able to leverage that right out across their, you know, their, their desktop and laptops, tablets, um, you know, th th they have now, I think, a, a very, very powerful ecosystem. Um, obviously, some I think some changes uh, coming up around App Store and how much money and how much of a cut that they can make there. Um, so, you know, I'd be watching... Um, and uh, you know, being maybe being a bit strategic around uh, investments and in, and in, in Apple shares, considering uh, you know what what that might do to to their income. Um, but I think they're they're only making the whole ecosystem stronger with um, with these with these moves. So yeah, I, th I think it's a, it's a good place to be. And um, you know, the the new phones, yes, it's incremental. They're faster. They have got better battery life. Um, you know, you got a terabyte worth of storage now that can sit in a phone. Um, so, um, you know, the, there's, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything to be upset about, but, um, you know, it's not like, a, oh, you know, we've, we've suddenly got a, um, a completely different device. That's, that's certainly not the case, uh, at all. And, um, this is where I sort of wish, um, Google was in a similar position to Apple hardware wise, where, because Apple have this massive market, 
the, when they release silicone into the iPhone, into the Mac, it actually is a change um, and it sort of is encouraging them to push to the next level and the next level. But sadly, the Pixel phones don't have the uptake as the iPhone does. So then I feel Google gets into this um, situation where they sort of dip a toe in the water, then pull it back a bit, then are we going to go for it? You know, and then they sort of between their, um, a, I suppose their numeral product and their A product, like their six and their six A or their four and their four A that they're very, um, hesitant as to whether they're just releasing a sort of middle of the road phone that gives a stock Android experience for Android developers or whether they're actually trying to push the boundaries with a flagship phone that's got a tensor chip that's this whole other change to it and I, I just sort of I suppose I wish there was a huge pixel base of owners so they were just encouraged to just keep pushing it because computing and technology is at its best when there's a lot of heavy players in the market um, all trying different things and having slightly different angles on the on the same product yeah yeah agreed there's um yeah the 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 competition piece is important the scale is is important um okay now amazon um they have i guess there's there's a whole lot of technology around um that works on you know capturing biometrics and uh you shared with me a, a a link about amazon um partnering um with a with a company around um using using their technology to allow people to basically scan their 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 palm prints um to get through barriers to get into an event um, this is the same sort of technology that we've seen um in amazon's um you know automated um well it's a little bit different actually the automated stores isn't it because those aren't using the palm print technology you just scan your phone to get in right um yeah you scan your phone and then they sort of do their own in-shop logging of what you're getting and and this this i believe you go to a kiosk that's either an amazon store or an um one of these events and you set up your palm print and you link it to the the correct site so you can have your ticket log to that then you scan in with your palm i myself um i sometimes find with these things it's a hammer looking for a nail like to, uh, there's not that many times i i don't go to a heap of events now no one's going to a heap of events now but uh, not i don't go I don't go to so many events that I go, this actual pulling out my phone and scanning a QR code is really annoying. It would be so much better if I could just scan my palm. And I I get nervous. Biometrics are the one thing you can't change. You can change your, pa- you can change your password. You can change your two-factor authentication. You can get another YubiKey. You can you can change those things. You cannot change your palm print. You cannot change your iris scan. You can't change your face ID. So I'm a bit reticent to be spraying my biometric information around to companies. A caveat on this. Strutting it that, around. Oh, Love like, it. like just sort of you have my palm, you can have <laughs> I'll log on with it. Um 
the the Amazon do say that this is very private, and they they claim that if you delete that account, all of your biometric data from that account is gone. It's not stored with Amazon. My only problem with that is I don't trust Amazon, <laughs> so I don't have any absolute reason for it. This is a personal thing for me. I wouldn't you, trust do Amazon not, with you my don't biometric trust big data. Tech companies. You don't trust big tech companies. Is this this you know this the same as big tobacco and big pharma? They fall into that same no, uh, category. We should we should get rid of the hundred and eighty odd governments around the world and just have five <laughs> tech companies running <laughs> us all. Uh, yeah, I I I like I I get in the early two thousands I would have been jazzed by this and I would have been doing it straight away. But now I've just found I'm just. I'm a bit more reticent about about putting those things out. For instance, I trust security-wise. I trust Apple. I do trust Google. Granted, I, I'm and I trust Google completely with um, open eyes as to how they make their revenue through ad targeting and all that. But I think because they do that, they actually they they keep your stuff safe. I I'm as of yet, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Amazon with it, and um I. I'm just a bit dubious as to why you'd need this because carrying a ticket or a QR code doesn't – you're in a line anyway. You've got plenty of time to get your QR code up and, and scan it. Yeah, I'm I'm, um, I'm with you on this one. I think, you know, we need to be cautious. Um, look, the, the way that data is protected is – yeah, is getting better and better, but we're still seeing just you know too many too many issues, and you know you need to be as you say you've only got you know one chance your biometric info goes somewhere then then yeah it's uh, it's it's too late you can't kind of get a new face too too quickly or or a new hand I mean you you, you can and that technology is getting better yeah. um, but uh, you know we <laughs> I'm I'm, and also- uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you know. What that would look like from a liability perspective for um, you know for 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 Amazon if oh yeah sorry we stuffed that up and uh, you know we've we've leaked a million um, handprints or faces we're gonna you know we're gonna generate new ones for you um, this and then what happen. if those what if those some of those people who had their handprints leaked actually work in sensitive jobs where they are using biometrics to actually access. Um, confidential stuff and I mean it shows I mean it shows even with these um, Pegasus attacks on iPhones with the no click iMessage um, virus that was going around and getting onto some journalists phones it just shows how um, how in this day and age no you think Apple's a safe company well you can be targeted anywhere so no I think you should hold on to that data Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see how that plays. Now, on that front, um, I see that um, uh, Cert NZ, who uh, keep a good watch on what's going on cybersecurity wise, uh, and then the folks that you can you know report incidents to and so on, um, have put out their uh, their their latest report. Um, and you know, one of the one of the one of the areas that's it's probably not a big um, a big surprise is ransomware. Um, uh, reports are continuing to rise, and you know, of course, not all of these things get uh, get reported. 
um, but they're they're very much um, you know highlighting the the importance of of prevention and um, you know getting getting your uh, your house in order, lowering your risks to these um, these these things up front. Um, and yeah, there, there seems to be a huge amount of um, fishing and and uh, credential harvesting uh, happening, from what they're getting reported. Um, scams and fraud, unauthorized access, um, and and so on. So um, yeah, that's uh, that stuff's interesting and and worthwhile having a, having a look at um, to stay on top of things. Now, I, it's I was just on. Sorry, just on that note, I think the best the the best thing I did was a few years ago get on the um one password bandwagon it doesn't matter i'm not pimping them but there, there are other ones like LastPass and so forth but i got onto that i got into a good protocol of doing that i then wherever i can added two-factor authentication and sure it's a bit of a pain in the ass but it's become part of my habit now and um it just that's not that's not a, a magic bullet by any means but it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind that um, I think if you can spend sit down spend a day just just getting a workflow or a protocol to um, at least defend yourself as as well as you can oh that's 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 great advice um, Di. Um, a friend of mine who was just getting getting ready to announce his um, band to a guy um, Paul Russell midwave breaks um, uh, month or month or, or or so back, and uh, he messaged me and he said, "Oh, I had advice to get multi-factor and get a last, you know, get a, a password management tool in place. Didn't quite get around to it. Facebook account compromised. Now I'm trying to promote my, you know, upcoming uh, tour. I've got, you know, um, another business that I need to promote." And um, I'm, you know, basically he's he's kicked to the curb. So um, Facebook have come to the party and been um, been helping out. Um, but as soon as you go beyond the the basics, uh, what it seems is it's actually really really hard for these social networks to actually be able to get you back to where you were. Um, yeah. So he's been backwards and forwards with them over weeks. And yes, he's got back into his account and he's got some control, but his ad account, other bits and pieces um, are still not back in the state that they were um, originally. So yeah, getting these things right up front, even if you think, oh, you know, I don't have a big business or anything behind me. I, I just use a bit of social media. This stuff doesn't matter. Um, it, it, it really can matter. And, uh, and of course, there are, there are folks that are, you know, built their business on top of, um, you know, the likes of Facebook. Um, you know, and this is just looking at the, the those sort of consumer-oriented tools without looking at um, you know the uh, applying the same approaches as as we should um, to um, you know to, to business technology systems. So um, yeah, really important. Absolutely, and you're saying how it doesn't matter even if you're a small entity. You never know when that's going to take off. You never know when um, you're going to need this sort of back end of. Uh, of some security and it's pretty easy it's i know helping out people um they get a bit overwhelmed and frustrated by passwords and the the idea of a password manager and getting but once you actually now both on android and ios apps like one password have pretty seamless integration even in terms of creating a password for a new site and um i've recently been um 
getting a bit more into crypto and exploring the NFT space and that sort of carry on. And then you're opening up accounts which are actually carrying your hard money into some pretty dubious places. So you need to immediately make sure you have a very strong password that you're not going to lose and you're going to have to store the backup phrases that they give you and wherever you can, two-factor authentication because this potentially could be the slow sea change in currency and if that is how you're going to be dealing with proper amounts of money, you're going to need to make sure you're your just protocol and your habits around hefty passwords because if you're looking at a um, crypto wallet it's not a email type my email forgot my password click it's It's gone you've got no more money yeah 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 and and look we've heard of that we've heard of you know scenarios you know huge huge amounts of money um you know disappearing because you know people have have lost their credentials and and whilst a lot of that stuff shouldn't even be stored online um you know at all not even in a password manager uh it's definitely something you should be thinking about um but a a good segue into into these um you know topics of um of crypto because there's been a lot of scamming going on um, that has been targeting that world. So um, last week we had um, uh, news media, I think Reuters were were part of this, you know, mainstream media outlets that picked up a, um, basically a fake press release that said Walmart uh, in the US, of course, their biggest retailer, um, was moving in to accept payments using Litecoin. And, uh, you know, suddenly it spiked, I think, a, you know, 30% um, spike. Um, and, it, you know, it was complete, um, it was complete rubbish. So, um, yeah, so, you know, th- th- there's these sort of, um, you know, tricks to get people to, uh, to, to invest. And then the other, um, the other things that I've been seeing, uh, seeing a lot of is when, whenever Elon Musk tweets, if you look in the tweet stream, um, I maybe haven't noticed it on his last couple of, couple of tweets, but so maybe Twitter of fixing something up here. But usually if you scroll, scroll through the replies to his tweets, there's a tweet that says it's from Elon Musk. Um, you have to look very carefully at the handle and so on. And you, oh, no, it's not really. Um, but if you're just, you know, clicking on the links, it sort of, you know, is, is offering, effectively offering you, you know, free, free Bitcoin or something. Send a little bit to this address. So I'm going to send a whole lot back. Um, and if you're in a bit of a hurry, you could get... Um, pulled into that and I'm sure that's why these things keep going um, and there was um, after watching the Apple live stream um, uh, was it yesterday I uh, I jumped on the um, jumped on the TV just to, um, to you know to, to catch um, to catch the video again and to look at a couple of things and there were some live streams running and um, you know one of these live streams said it was apple it was right next to legitimate um, apple content it was running now um, you jumped across to it there's tim cook um, and on the left hand side of the the screen and this thing had thousands of people watching it so it wasn't that there were just one or two people got sucked into it and the left hand side of the screen um, you know, was one of these typical sort of crypto scams, you know, send I saw one. that. Yeah, you, you got it as well. Like, it's, it's just, I mean, it's not hidden at all. It's right out there in the public. 
but these platforms like YouTube and Twitter and and so on um, just completely struggle to um, to deal with it. Or they just I don't. S- yeah, I saw that that too. And to me, that actually, I ended up on that channel just through the. Um, horrificness of youtube's apple tv app um just because within the youtube's apple tv app it's quite hard to drill down just to make sure you i'm on the apple um in apple's page on that it just you search sort of apple and then it brings up and as you say there there are two or three that actually look like they could be from apple jumping back to elon musk um i I think a bit of this falls on if you get scammed on people saying, give me some money and I'll give you 10 times that money back. Good luck to you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this has been happening since people knock on your door with scams selling encyclopedias. Like there's a certain percentage of the population that falls for this. No one's going to give you free money, especially not on Twitter. The one thing about <laughs> Elon Musk's Twitter that sort of basically was an initial thing that put me off crypto was how he could tweet and influence the stock, the price of Bitcoin yep. by up to 5 to 10%. And when there's Crazy. companies like El Salvador or so forth that are trying to use this as an actual pseudo-fiat currency, it's unviable if someone on Twitter can affect the currency of a nation by 5 to 10% through 180 characters. So I've noticed over the last couple of tweets he's had about Bitcoin, it hasn't been as volatile. But this is something that that plays into the Walmart scam as well. Of Crypto has a long, long, long way to go before it's actually going to be used by everyday consumers buying everyday items on the internet or investing their hard-earned money on the internet when someone can release a fake press release and boost a coin by 20%. But I think there are two levels Imagine of if that happened to the New Zealand dollar, right? You walked, in, you walked into the store to buy a loaf of bread and the New Zealand dollar <laughs> had just been v- devalued 30% or... Um, you went to pay your rent and you got enough money in your account to pay your rent or your mortgage. And they're like, oh, sorry, New Zealand dollar just got devalued 30%. I know that you've you've got an automatic payment here to come through of, you know, X hundred dollars or thousand dollars <laughs> or whatever. Uh, we actually need to take, you know, an, another you know, 30, 30% this week because, uh, yeah, things are a bit volatile. And I mean, that yeah. has happened in, in the history of the world, but uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, and that's why um, uh, I do believe there are two levels of coin. There are these coin that are all among your Doge and your Litecoin, and they sort of come and they go, where they are about people pumping and dumping and trying to find, uh, um, you could use another word of scam, a sort of way for the coin to go viral for a small amount of time because, hey, Kanye loves this new thing. Let's all get behind that for a week. <laughs> and then, you know, they pump it by 20% and it just dies off. Then there are, I suppose, yeah, more Ether, Bitcoin type situations that although they bubble along, they still have these huge fluctuations. So, no, I'm pretty bullish on it, but I think it's a long-term proposition. I think things like um, self-driving cars, 
cryptocurrency, they're all completely viable and will become a thing. But I think people's initial timelines on these are now blowing out to more 10 to 20 years rather than in the next five years. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we'll leave, we'll leave you with that thought. Um, one last thing um, before, we, before we finish off, there's something happening in the entertainment world. ABBA are reuniting oh. um, this virtual <laughs> virtual tour. What do you think? Is this uh, is this just a, a, a you know a silly silly uh, thing to generate some money? Is there some genuine good that can come out of uh, you know what what they're doing with um, you know basically virtual versions of themselves appearing on uh, on stage and so on? Well, from um, uh, interest of a technological point of view, it's amazing. Like one of the best concerts I went to was an artist I don't particularly enjoy, Kylie Minogue. And, um, but her actual stage show was technically one of the most amazing things I'd seen with seven floating stages that changed with huge set changes and sort of uh, um, the use of light and holograms to completely twist your perspective i love this sort of thing because it is a reason to bring people out into meat space to to see things um i'm not a big abba fan i'm not knocking anyone who loves abba music is music people are into different things but for me it's not really floating my boat but um you know there's who knows it, it Things like this just open the door and they are um, a diving board for other acts to jump off and and do crazy things with. Um, I'd probably like to see a band more like the Flaming Lips or someone like that who um, who really like to take something technologically and um, make it extremely quirky. That would probably be a bit more down my alley, but hey, there's going to be a lot of... Um, people in RSAs trying to get their head around this, that's for sure. <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, well, very nice to very nice to have you back on the show, Di. Uh, always Thanks, a, always a pleasure. And, um, I mean, I, yeah, most people just don't don't realise how well studied you are on uh, what's going on in, in the tech world. Um, so it's always fun to uh, to delve in and, and uh, kick some of the some of the topics around. So thanks very much. Um, Any time, uh, and to everyone out there, stay safe and um, and and keep a smile on your face in these trying times. Thanks, Di. Now, um, tours and things, events you've been involved in have you know largely been uh, been been cancelled, yeah. from what I understand. They, they, we're, we're currently looking at releasing new tour dates for the end of the year um, on Wednesday for a seven days tour. We're um, sort of trying to play a bit of Russian roulette onto what's going to happen, but um, we will be releasing tickets um, next Wednesday for an upcoming tour. So go to seven days, uh, seven days live dot info. It'll all be up there from um, next Wednesday. And, of course, in this current climate, if you buy a ticket, it's completely re refundable if anything happens and you can either take a postponement or your money back because you've got to look after those dollars and cents these days. 
Excellent. Oh, th- thanks, Diane. Of course, folks can follow you across on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back again with the NZ Tech podcast again next week. So we'll look forward to catching you uh, then. And um, yeah, thanks again, Diane, for uh, for joining us and uh, sharing some of your some of your time. And uh, we'll we'll let you get back to your uh, your lockdown and uh, whatever <laughs> whatever Zoom and <laughs> other things you've got uh, lined up for your day. So thanks again. Cheers. New Zealand's Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.